HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Feed Feed podcast. I'm Alexis Santos. The Feed Feed is the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Here on the podcast, we are speaking with members of the hashtag Feed Feed community to hear their stories, learn about their culinary inspirations, and get some of their best cooking tips. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by James Park, aka Jamesy. Jamesy is a food writer and chili crisp devotee, constantly exploring his identity through Korean cooking. He has gained a devoted following for his inventive recipes, cheerful video content, and infectious love for all things food. Jamesy is now a brand new cookbook author with Chili Crisp, 50 plus recipes to satisfy your spicy, crunchy, garlicky cravings, and it features over 50 recipes with Chili Crisp on display. Well, thank you so much for being here, Jamesy. I am a huge fan of both Korean food and Chili Crisp and everything that I just mentioned in your bio, so (laughs) I'm excited to chat with you. Yay, thank you so much for having me, and I'm so glad to hear that you love Chili Crisp as much as I do. Yes. So take me back to the very beginning. When did your love of Chili Crisp start? Like, how did this become your identity? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, I didn't think that it would be such a big part of my life. But uh, when I first really discovered um, and got exposed to the world of Chili Crisp was when I moved from uh, Alabama to New York. Uh, So growing up in Alabama, I didn't really have a lot of diverse exposure of different cuisine, whether that is Asian or not. But me being Korean immigrant, I was always really interested about Asian food. And when I first came to New York, I loved exploring Chinatown. And I specifically remember one day I was just like, 
getting lost. Uh, and I love like just being curious about all the fun things by going to grocery stores. And I went to Hong Kong supermarket, which is one of my favorite uh, supermarket in Chinatown. And I saw this aisle dedicated to this lady's face with the red bottle. I'm like, who is this lady? And like, why does she have this product like everywhere? And that was kind of like what started my in. I don't know, my uh, curiosity around chili crisps. And I picked it up and I had my very first life-changing bite of Lao Ma chili crisp. And the rest is history. Oh my gosh. So how many years ago was that? That was like seven, eight years ago. Yeah. All right. Amazing. Yeah. And when you, you said you were an immigrant, were you born in Korea? And when did you move over here? Yeah, so I was born in Korea. I moved to America when I was about 13. Uh, I came here without my family. So I've been kind of living as an international student, uh, living at different host families. And ultimately, I ended it with this wonderful uh, white American family in Huntsville, Alabama, who I still go back and who I still consider as my family. And that's kind of my background before I joined and developed my New York personality. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Alabama, that must have been interesting. I've never spent much time in Alabama, but (laughs) I don't imagine there being a ton of Korean people there per se. (laughs) Yeah. And that too, but also like I had a, um, I had this mindset that since I came here, like, you know, to study and like my Korean family wasn't rich or anything, I felt this pressure that I had to succeed in America. And even at such a young age, I didn't really know what being successful meant to me. But at that time, being successful meant like assimilating to the white people and white culture. So I intentionally didn't really uh, talk to Korean people or Asian people. I like actually intentionally avoided Asian people because at the time I thought, being a part of a white culture was, you know, a success in America. So it took a lot of unlearning of those mindset for me to be fully comfortable about myself and my identity and cooking and eating and like, you know, talking about food really helped me a lot to unlearn of a lot of those insecurities that I had. And it helped me like really feel empowered to be who I am and really show up as my authentic self. Oh my gosh, I love that. Well, that's an incredible story. And what was like the cuisine? I mean, as far as food goes, I mean, you obviously grew up in Korea. So you were, you know, growing up with Korean traditional food at home, I imagine, and then a complete Mm -hmm. culture shock as it pertains to food. So what were you kind of like, how was your culinary journey at that point shaking out? Yeah, so I always was interested in like cooking and I think that I saw that as my um, way to express myself. And even as a child, uh, I was like fascinated by like watching like QVC equivalent, like selling yeah. uh, like food products, like a Korean soy marinated crafts. And even like at the age of like mm. nine, I like loved watching it and like wanted to recreate it. And I remember one of the very first things that I made was like this potato salad sandwich. Uh, but you know, in Korea, I didn't really have a lot of knowledge about what's like sandwich or like 
any sort of reference for like Western food. Uh, so even though now looking back, it's more like a potato salad, like slap in between like bread, which I mean, it sounds great and it was delicious. Uh, but it was, it took me like hours to prepare this like sandwich. And like, I didn't, all my parents were both working. So I was kind of responsible of feeding myself. And like that sandwich menu was like my way of eating something better. That's not instant noodles. Um, yeah. And after that, I was just so proud of like my creation and like I wanted to like share that with my mom. Uh, but even though she really appreciated and like loved my thought, she saw all the dishes that I left for her to do. Uh, so she was like, oh, okay, maybe like don't cook. Uh, just like eat ramen, <laughs> please. Um, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> yeah. And then like, I think that uh, love for cooking really intensified when I like came to America when I couldn't really eat Korean food as much as I wanted. And also like outside, I had this facade of like, I don't like Asian food, you know? Uh, so I didn't really have a lot of chances to like show my love for cooking Asian food. And I think cooking really started as more of a survival and like uh, my way of being in touch with my home, like Korean roots. Uh, but since I moved to New York, I saw that it's kind of freeing and liberating in a way that I could just kind of, make something that's neither super Korean or neither anything like cooking just gave me this like a sense of wild freedom that I could like do whatever I wanted as long as it tasted good and like I enjoy eating Uh, so that's when I really like branching out of like different cultures and like uh, I wanted to learn more about other cuisines that I wasn't exposed to. And New York is honestly the best place to do that. And I let all those different influences to really uh, shape my style of cooking that is like kind of boundary pushing out of the um out of tradition, but also very like whimsical and fun. And I think Chili Chris, uh, kind of going back to that, uh, Chili Chris gave me this uh, perfect bridge for me to express myself, but also apply uh, my whimsical cooking style. Totally. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. And I feel the same way about New York. I lived there for several years. um, And I think that you really put it beautifully of just like how you're able to express yourself from, you know, a culinary perspective, but also in any perspective, yeah. uh, you know, living in a city like that with so many cultures represented. So was it kind yeah. of like a bit that you, you went from Korea to Alabama where then you were kind of not uh, sort of hiding and like not really, you know, leaning into your Korean heritage. And then you went to New York and then it was probably like flipped back the opposite way where you're like, Oh my gosh, this is great. Like there's, people like me and I can be more like myself. So what was that kind of like for you, like getting back in touch with those roots? And like, obviously now a lot of, you know, your cookbooks about Korean food, you share Korean food on the internet. Like, was that kind of an interesting process as well? Like re-embracing your Korean heritage? Yeah. And I think New York was just like a perfect place for me to discover myself again. Um, Just like growing up in Alabama, like I kind of learned about Southern culture, Southern hospitality, and just learning how to be in America, but not quite learning how to be myself and coming to New York and like meeting so many people who just like 
encouraged me to be myself and like food was just like the epicenter of everything that I was doing whether that is making friends or doing anything like I would always like go out to different neighborhoods in Queens like Woodside or Jackson Heights with my friend and we would explore together and we would share like what's reminiscent of our culture and It didn't happen immediately. I still had this like reservation, but by meeting people who were also very proud of their like heritage and their food culture and their flavors and stories really helped me unlearn of insecurities easier and faster. And then being able to connect with our mutual passion for food and culture and cooking really helped me look back of like, who do I want to be and how do I want to represent myself in America? And at that time, the K-pop Korean culture and general interest for like Korea as a country was like continuously uh, rising. And I felt like this was a perfect opportunity to really go back to my roots and like understand uh, myself and be this person who could easily, who could share um, that love and passion for, for Korean culture to other people. So I wanted to be that person who's taking my friend to Korean barbecue for the first time. I wanted to be that person that you wanted to explore H-Mart together. And just my natural infectiousness around like Korean food uh, just worked and like really spread organically among my friends. And I think that really helped me get started my life in New York and like just my career in food. Totally. Oh my gosh. Well, I wish I was hanging out with you because I like just started <laughs> getting more into <laughs> Yeah. Like- I wish I could take you to H Mart. It's so fun. Oh my, oh my like, I love like talking about like product and such and how I love yeah. to cook it and all different combinations that you should do. So yeah, H Mart is kind of like my heaven. There. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I bet I need help in there. I've only been to a couple um, and I live in South Florida now and they don't have any here, but I've been mm. to one in LA and I'm always like, Oh my gosh, yeah, it's huge. Incredible. Yeah. It's crazy, but yeah. I miss it for sure. Like I don't have, you know, since I haven't been living in New York, I don't have like these readily available, like international mm. type grocery store options. Yeah. Um, but I I get back to New York enough, and then obviously I went to I went to Seoul, Korea earlier this year. So I've been kind mm-hmm. of expanding my own knowledge and like information for myself about the cuisine and the culture, and I just like love it more and more the more I learn about it. It's probably my favorite yeah. type of food right now. It's like definitely my. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and I like turn all my like friends and family onto it because it is pretty like relatively new here in the States for people to have like a Mm. big understanding of Korean food. You know, there's a couple of things that people know of like bibimbap and, you know, pretty like standard, like easy, you know, are like Americanized. But the things that I learned about when I went there and that I like love to try at Korean restaurants are some of like my favorite foods in the world. So when Mm -hmm. you were kind of, what was your path to, I guess, learning how to cook all these dishes to the extent that you now have like a cookbook and you're doing, you know, all this stuff, kind of sharing recipes. Are those recipes you learned from your family back at home or how did you kind of get that expertise? Yeah. Um, 
Because my parents were not at home mostly, they were both working, I was always envious of my friends who had their moms like cooking in the kitchen. And I remember one of my favorite days as a child was like my sick day because I know that if I'm sick, my mom would come back from work and like she would like make some congee for me or like she would really become that housewife that I've always wanted my mom to be, but I never had a housewife mom. Uh, so all the cooking stuff really came from like watching other unofficial Korean moms like Mangchi or like Songgyung Longas and all these amazing Korean females who are like sharing their expertise in cooking through like YouTube. And I watched that I pretty much absorb their knowledge as if like they're my mom and I let them guide and educate me for all the Korean cooking that I know. Um, I think because I left my home pretty early, um, I have a good like sponge like way to absorb people's knowledge and skills. And I also love to just kind of spend time in my kitchen and like experiment. So a little bit of combination of like watching other people and being open about asking questions and also trying an error in the kitchen. Uh, I think I'm able to develop this like cooking skills, but it's also a matter of like satisfying my own taste buds. And I was pretty um, adamant about what I want to eat and what I want to wear. And like, I just had a very strong preferences, even as a child. Uh, And I think I learned how to cook because I always know what I'm craving. And I wanted to teach myself how I can satisfy the craving. And still now, like one of the best rewards about cooking is that I get to satisfy my own cravings. And I know that a lot of people cannot do that in a way. So I hope that I can empower them. Like, you know, you know what you're craving more than anyone. And like, sometimes just ordering the takeout might not fully satisfy that. So like, if you learn how to satisfy your taste buds, it's like, that is your motivation to learn how to cook more and more. And it is the best way to really make yourself happy. Yeah, a hundred percent. No, I totally agree. And I'm self-taught as well. Like I never went to culinary school. You know, I learned a little bit from my family, but a lot of it's been trial and error here yeah. at home by myself. You know what I mean? So I like totally get that, um, that mentality of like, what, what do I like? Like, what am I in the mood exactly. for? Like, what do, what yeah. do I feel like? <laughs> Would you be so, interested in going to a culinary school? Um, I think I would. It's obviously like very expensive. So it's not, you know, something that, I really thought I'd be able to afford. I mean, because not only do you have to pay to go to culinary school, but you have to like not for the most part have a job like during that. So you're instead of making money working, you're paying and not making money. So when I first started getting into food media, it was, you know, not something that I could do financially. And now it's kind of like since COVID, a lot of people who were in the restaurant industry or who were in culinary school are kind of like, yeah, I mean, you don't necessarily need it. Obviously it benefits a lot of people, but there's so many different ways to learn and, you know, kind of become self-taught in a way. And I don't really want to be a restaurant chef or anything like that. So for now I'm okay, but I would obviously love to like learn more about um, techniques and how to hone that skill set and whatnot. So 
We'll yeah. see. Never say never. Do you think you would? <laughs> oh, I did go to culinary school, actually. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Well, there you have it. And you, you yeah, liked yeah. it? Yeah, I loved it. But also my situation was a very, very unique in a way that I'm so thankful that the way that I went to culinary school worked the way it did. So uh, my college had a partnership with an international culinary center, which now is folded into like international culinary education. But instead of uh, my final semester in college, I just went to culinary school. And it ended up being cheaper than the regular tuition that I would pay my school. So it was like a perfect way for me to kind of experience it. And like, that's when I just started getting interested in like, would I want to be in like food, like professionally? But I also knew that like, I didn't want to be in a restaurant world. So I fully went there hoping that I would just like learn um, the knowledge. I would just kind of have the right vocabulary and lingo to be able to have conversation with chefs and like understand the restaurant culture. And during the day, I would have an internship at Food Network. And at night, I would go to culinary school and learn about like mother sauce and like how to, Mm -hmm. you know, all the French stuff that uh, that's a part of the culinary school. Uh, So I don't think it taught me a lot of things that I normally cook here at home because like it, the, training was very much of like European French technique so it was interesting but like I wouldn't say that oh my god culinary school changed like you know the way that I cooked but I really learned how to behave in the kitchen and I learned how to like uh, pay attention to certain things and like now like you know there are certain times that you go to a restaurant and like you Uh, you sit at the chef's table and such, you get to watch how the kitchen is operating and being able to see who's doing what and operation at the kitchen is really entertaining as someone like as a diner and like who kind of knows the back end. Uh, But I would say like culinary school, it was kind of like a Disney world for me. Uh, Everything is like set up and made for you. And it is a great way for you to experience it. But like, I definitely understand and agree with you that like, I don't think it's worthy of that huge price of a tuition. And the only way that you would do is if other people are paying for you or uh, it's just kind of a cheap opportunity to go there. And it's definitely a fun way to experience. Yeah. Yeah. If I could like, just like magically put myself in culinary school. I know. I mean, it really felt like magic for me. So like, you know, never say never, always manifest. And who knows, maybe like amazing opportunity for you to experience culinary school. And like, I think with all everything that you're doing and being able to be in a kitchen where everyone is somewhat equal and they're all interested in learning what you want to do, that environment itself is special because uh, you don't always be get to be in a room where everyone is passionate about the same topic. And it's right. the level of like being able to share that uh, passion, being able to kind of talk about that eagerness of learning more, that really changes you. And it's very, very inspiring. And I think for that matter, being in a culinary school is very awesome. Yeah, totally. Agree 100%. And like, I love that. And I'm glad that you had that like amazing opportunity to do it. And I would assume that they didn't really go into too many Korean dishes in culinary school. So that probably explains why like a lot of the recipes you share are more kind of like 
a fusion of like family and self-taught and then probably what you learned in culinary school was more French inspired if I had to guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I appreciate dishes that I learned from my culinary school era, but, like, it's not something that I cook all the time here. And, yeah. like, didn't he, we didn't learn anything that's not European, not even, like, right. close to any sort of Asian. Uh, mm-hmm. So a lot of my Asian cooking learning happened from, like, watching YouTube videos and asking my friends and asking chefs and... I think that's kind of the best way to learn. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I'm glad you kind of had like both sides of that spectrum as far as like cultivating your culinary identity with your cookbook and your content and all that. It's like you have multiple facets of you. You have kind of like the home like Uma cooking from like the Korean side. And then you have like the traditional like european side if you really wanted to but obviously we know which side you're gonna lean towards because you love (laughs) chili crisp and stuff like that so much i mean that's what i lean towards when i cook for myself at home like that's my favorite type of food to have like is Mm -hmm. asian food like that's it's just i'm always craving it so if i had that expertise and i knew how to make more korean and asian inspired dishes i would be doing it all the time so I mean, yeah. there's so many resources out there, and like, I highly recommend you watching like Mangchi. Uh, do you know her? No. Okay, so she is this wonderful Korean lady who is teaching the world how to cook Korean food, and like, there she's been sharing her YouTube video over a decade, and I learn everything that I know about Korean food from her. And even though I'm Korean, there's so many things that I don't know about how to you know, how to make certain Korean dishes. And I watch her video from like how to make rice to like kimchi and like, uh, like tteokbokki and like all the things that I'm craving. Mm -hmm. And it's such a great place to start. And she is like everyone's internet's Korean mom. So if you really love Asian food and if you love Korean food, I highly, highly recommend watching her and she will be your unofficial Korean mom teaching you how to cook everything that you love. Okay, I love that. And you can be my unofficial Korean brother. And Yeah, I absolutely. <laughs> I will be the one who's guiding you through all the HMART, all the Korean stuff. Uh, I will be your resource. Okay, I love that. Very, very important. All right, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. So... With the book, how does it feel to kind of have these 
recipes of yours and this like passion and love of chili crisp and Korean cuisine and all these things kind of immortalized in this physical, tangible way for you. I know I'm sure it was a ton of work. So tell me what it feels like to have yeah. that out in the world now. Honestly, it's surreal. And like, first of all, I never thought that I would have an opportunity to write a cookbook. And secondly, I never thought that the first cookbook would ever have to do with chili crisps. Uh, So there have been a lot of surprises uh, along the way. And I'm just so thankful and grateful that I get to share my stories and flavors through chili crisp in a way that when I first got the book, I definitely had this like hesitation of like me as a Korean immigrant, would I be able to do a good job of representing such a rich history of this Chinese condiment? And I felt this immense pressure of like, I didn't want to misrepresent or offend anyone who has such a strong connection with chili crisp because I fairly, um, under, got exposed to the world of uh, Chinese cuisine and like chili crisps later in my life. Uh, but I kind of turned it into a new perspective in a way that like, let me just fully lean into me being a Korean immigrant. And I want to just like be that person who's hyping you up about all the different ways to use and eat chili crisp. And Chili crisp, even though it is a traditionally Chinese condiment, it can be so much more than that. And I think in America now, uh, it became this vessel for everyone to explore their own and like for chefs to like put their stories. And like it became a vessel for me to explore my own Korean identity by making Korean chili crisp. And there are so many options to choose out there. And like I recently saw a kelp chili crisp that is made out of kelp from Alaska. And that's just blows my mind in a way and like I love that chili crisp just became this like a versatile tool for everyone to really infuse like their passion um and it's just seeing the book and like seeing people making the recipes from the book and I'm incredibly proud of the product that I put out there and the pictures and like the cover is very um you know outstanding in a way that you can easily like see it uh, in the just pile of different cookbooks. And I just came back from like doing book promotions in Korea as well. Uh, So being able to go back to Korea with the book that I wrote about me exploring Korea and sharing that joy to Korean people um, in Korea was just like, I, I can't even describe how grateful I am I get to do that. And seeing my books in America was the one thing, but seeing my books in Korea was like a whole new different level of gratefulness. That's amazing. Well, congratulations. That is so cool and like so exciting. And I just like, I love that for you. And I think that like this journey and this like path that you had to like kind of winding a winding road to take you from like Korea to Alabama to New York to now like book touring in Korea. Like how incredible is that? I absolutely love that. I know I am like, it was truly life changing moment this time in Korea. You know, I was visited Korea, um, but didn't really have a chance to like do it professionally. And also that's where my family lives and everything. And like, my family doesn't live in Seoul. So like um, Seoul as a city also felt a little bit foreign to me, but this time yeah. I it's all the majority of time I visited a bunch of international schools in Seoul and I got to talk to students who are 
kind of figuring out themselves and also navigating their identities, but also their navigating different type of problems that I had when I was in their age. So like they live in Korea, they're mostly, most of them are just like pure Koreans, but they're speaking in English, but growing up in Korea. So they have to manage both expectations of like, you know, English culture and Korean culture. And like, I definitely uh, felt their pains and, you know, their growing pains in a way. And just me Mm -hmm. being able to share my message of like, you know, keep pursuing your dreams. And there's never, you know, big of a dream that you can't accomplish. And, and all of that. And also coming back to like, the chili crisps and like seeing them taste chili crisps for the first time and like seeing their faces light up after the first bite just took me back to my first time of tasting chili crisps and like I hope that inspires them to like go into their own spicy journey and like I don't know being able to do that in my home country was just purely magical oh I bet well what a manifestation journey I just absolutely love that. And I'm like, proud of you just in knowing you for this brief amount of time. It's just like, so incredible to see that you've been able to like bridge so many different like cultures and cuisines and like physical and like, I don't know, it just sounds it sounds very, very lovely. And I think that your book is amazing. And I think like, getting people to think creatively about these cuisines and how to add like, those types of flavors to dishes that people may have not thought of before. I think it's like a very cool way to kind of like educate and inform people about those cultures. And I just think it's awesome. So congratulations. <laughs> I was going to ask like, what's your favorite way to eat chili crisp? I'm curious to Ooh. hear about your chili crisp pairing. Probably, probably on eggs. If I had to guess. Oh yeah, that's that's really good. Eggs uh, and noodles. Would, Eggs and noodles. Uh, what do you recommend? Have you ever had it over Greek yogurt? No. Should I? Yes, I think you should. That is uh, the pairing that I've been like sharing at all my events and even in Korea. And seeing people being skeptical about the pairing of Greek yogurt and chili crisp and them just going absolutely wild after the first taste is like so fun to witness. And in general, chili crisp goes really, really well with dairy. So just imagine like Greek yogurt over chili crisp as an easy dip. So I will serve it with like crudite or like potato chips and like the tangy creaminess of Greek yogurt goes so well with the spicy, savory, crunchy chili crust. And I think a lot of people don't know about that pairing. And I really want to be that person telling you, put your chili crust on Greek yogurt, especially now holiday season. If you are okay. having a big gathering, you know, like that is an easy, very delicious uh, kind of eye catching dip that everyone will love. Okay, say no more. I will literally do that today. (laughs) I have chili crisp. I have Greek yogurt. We are good to go. I love that. Please let me know how it goes. I will. And did you have anything else to tell me about your journey, your culinary journey, your just amazing path from all of these amazing things you've described in your life that I haven't asked you yet? 
No, I think um, just one thing that I want to add is like the beauty of uh, chili crisp desserts. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of underestimate how delicious and delightful it is to have a little bit of spice in your dessert. Uh, I had a pretty rough uh, time developing all those dessert recipes at first, but now I'm very, very proud to present all the desserts that's in my cookbook. Um, I specifically developed chili crisp um, that it will be paired well with desserts. So kind of stripping all the savoriness, like garlic and scallion that makes savory, uh, savory chili crisp delicious. But just going back to basic of like oil, salt, sugar, uh, chili flakes, and I'm adding a variety of nuts, which add a really, really nice nuttiness to desserts. Uh, so using that into like brownie and like pound cake and like chocolate Swiss roll, mixing that with like strawberry jam. There are so many amazing possibilities that you can do in the world of dessert and like savory and spicy flavors. So if if the readers or if people haven't really, you know, tune into that world of desserts, I highly, highly recommend. Okay. Well, I trust you and say no more yet again. I will absolutely be doing that as well. <laughs> I mean, I love adding my uh, very nutty chili crisp into my brownie batter. So like, I believe that brownies should always be store-bought uh, because there are so many amazing store-bought brownie mixes that like, why bother to make? But mm-hmm. uh, my recipe has uh, this tahini cream cheese swirl. So the layer of that, like the nutty, like creamy layers and like seeing uh, the very nutty chili crisp mixed into the chocolatey fudgy batter and it just instantly elevates your box brownie into something incredibly delicious. Oh my gosh. It's okay. Very easy well, to do. Yeah. Geez, that sounds genius. <laughs> I, I absolutely love that. My gosh. Well, I need to get my hands on your book so that I can try all these cool recipes because you're describing some very delicious sounding stuff and your book is available. Yay. I assume where all books are sold. Absolutely. Wherever the books are sold. And I hope that the book will take you on a spicy adventure on your own and I'll be there virtually. Yay. Yes. From afar. (laughs) I'll be able to taste your, I'll be able to taste your passion through the pages. And that's that's more than enough. Yay. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here, James. You had so much fun talking to you and I'm a craving Korean food and be craving just chili crisp on all kinds of things. So I appreciate you inspiring me to get back into those types of flavors and for telling me all about your journey and all of that. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was such a fun, spicy conversation. And I hope that I can take you on an HMAR tour in person one day. I hope so. Yes, let's manifest that. That'll be our next thing to manifest. Yes, (laughs) manifest. It's real. So everyone (laughs) keep manifesting. Yeah. Yeah, Catch us at H Mart in the next year. That's our goal. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is the Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. If you have a food story to tell or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook, author, chef, or restaurateur, we would love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed podcast is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.